Hey listeners, on May 13th, we invite you to join us and Reed Hoffman for a new virtual strategy session presented in alliance with Capital One Business. You'll hear insights from fellow entrepreneurs about how to be at the forefront of leading change with AI. So go to mastersofscale.com AI strategy right now to register for free. Again, that's mastersofscale.com AI strategy. Looking forward to seeing you there. I started in the deep, dark nights of COVID, and you couldn't tell where the beginning, middle, or end of where we stand today is, but I had to address challenges head-on from day one. We needed to make things easy, we needed to make it purposeful, and we needed to make it clear. There's a big emotional strain that people are working under. This is massive disruption. I would say we're having as much people disruption and labor disruption as we are supply chain disruption. I believe you have to start with trust and the results will come with it. Retail is hard. Retail will kill you if you don't love it. You have to have the passion for what you do. And ultimately, I want happy employees. That's Janet Hayes, CEO of Crate and Barrel Holdings. Under her stewardship and in the midst of the pandemic, Crate and Barrel has seen a surge of growth. I'm Bob Safian, former editor of Fast Company, founder of the Flux Group, and host of Masters of Scale Rapid Response. I wanted to talk to Janet because she took over in August 2020, when Crate and Barrel stores were closed and uncertainty about COVID-19's impact on retail was acute. Her response was to be flexible with her employees, but aggressive with her brands and the business, identifying new opportunities and investing in new tools and approaches. She talks about turning Crate and Barrel Holdings into a more modern company, digitally led, focused on sustainability, gathering insights about customers in new ways. But most of all, she stresses the human element in motivating and activating her team and in learning from them. The customer will be the beneficiary, she says, in how we all treat each other. We'll start the show in a moment. Afterward, from our premier brand partner, Capital One Business. I woke up in the middle of the night because I had this nightmare that we were front page news that we've done the stupidest mistake of our life by making this pivot. <laughs> That's Aparna Saran. Chief Marketing Officer for Capital One Business, and she's recalling a moment from her previous position at Capital One when she was heading up a team designing a new business card. We had just made the decision to go all in and sunset the prior version of the product, which was honestly the cash cow for our business. When we made that decision within a senior leadership meeting, as someone who had been on the journey to build this out for five plus years, it was really exciting. But by the time the weekend hit, I started to feel the responsibility and the pressure. We are taking this big bet on something that I've built. Perhaps you've been there. You've made a pivotal decision and then panic sets in. How would Aparna calm her butterflies and steer her team through this pivot? We'll find out later in the show. It's all part of the Refocus Playbook, a special series where Capital One Business highlights stories of business owners and leaders using one of Reed's theories of entrepreneurship. Today's Playbook Insight, have multiple Plan Bs. I'm 
I'm Bob Safian, and I'm here with Janet Hayes, the CEO of Crate and Barrel Holdings. Janet is coming to us from the company's headquarters in Northbrook, Illinois, as I ask my questions from my home in Brooklyn, New York. Janet, thanks for joining us. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I have to start out right away by asking you about supply chain issues right now. There's been so much discussion. It's terrible. It's not so bad. Shifting information. Customers have to wait too long for product that's hurting things, driving up prices. Maybe none of that's happening. What's the status of all that for Crate and Barrel Holdings as we go through the holiday shopping period? I think about it every day. Even before we go through the holiday period, it was right upon us. You know, about 12 months ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that, there are whispers of this beginning overseas. And in the last 12 months, it has slowly climbed on our shores and into our own yards. So it is something that is on our mind every single day. It is disruption from a vendor base to the ship, to the port, to the trucks, to the rising cost of labor in our own stores. We have tried to offset as much as we can within our own supply chain. We've also tried to show tremendous grace to our partners because the beautiful thing is we're all facing this at the same time. We're all learning and we are all trying to get the same thing accomplished. So there is a tremendous amount of teamwork I'm seeing across the industry and sharing of knowledge that I think I've never experienced before. But as far as what's happening with us, you know, we are offsetting strategies as much as we can, whether that's eliminating any time we can see in our own transportation system, eliminating time to store. The advantage we have over some is our stores, right, and using our stores as almost mini distribution centers. And that's also taken time out of supply chain. How far out can you plan around these supply chain disruptions? Or do you just sort of have to react to the conditions as they change around you? You know, we've done both. Honestly, it's both feet on the pedal. There's no break involved right now. There's the short-term reaction, whether that's how long ships are waiting at the port or what countries are open or closed. But we've also taken a moment to reposition and been much more strategic on a long-term planning view. You know, I think we've given our vendors views to our growth three years out, whereas previously we were at a much shorter time frame than that. So it's short-term reaction, but putting plans in place for the future to be able to sustain this amazing growth that we've seen in the last 18 months. So you came in as CEO in August of 2020, which was its own moment of high uncertainty to come aboard, right? In the retail business and the world at large, you were previously president of the Williams-Sonoma brand. Now you have multiple brands in your portfolio, a different leadership role. When you first came in, what was the challenge given the environment and what did you focus on first? Yeah, I always say when someone asks me, when did you start? I say, I started in the deep, dark nights of COVID. I moved my family from California to Illinois at the end of July and started at the beginning of August 2020. And you couldn't tell where the beginning, middle or end of where we stand today is. But there was, frankly, really no time to get settled. I had to address challenges head on from day one. Day two was a board meeting. So I had a nice, slow introduction. But since then, we've had a pivotal recentering on what's meaningful in all of our lives and how we view our home, our work, and ourselves. And as a result, we prioritize the human over any transaction. We started focusing on connecting with our customers and meeting them where they were by looking at the products they were buying, helping them build a home with purpose. 
We had greater emphasis on our digital right away and the offerings there, as well as the ease. Our digital design services became incredibly important. And despite never having been in the room still to this day, at about 70% of our employees, I was able to connect with them through constant communication. I think only harder than going through the pandemic was probably getting a new CEO through the pandemic. So I actually really did have empathy for the group. You know, me being a, another straw on the camel's back there, I did not want to be the one that broke it. You did a review of the brands when you first came in. Was the focus of that around sort of clarifying who the customer was for each brand or the personality of the brands? No, it was really the customer was sitting right in front of us. You know, they were jumping up and down off the page, waving their hands, saying, see me, see me. The data was there. I could see the customer. We could see the customer. It was more about making sure that each of these brands were driving with clarity and purpose and really prioritizing those messages for the customer, taking away all confusion. You know, honestly, all of our customers, they were going through so much in their life. We needed to make things easy. We needed to make it purposeful and we needed to make it clear. So it was really a review to make sure that each of these brands had their own place and were driving with purpose. Can you give us an example of how that shows itself in one of the brands? Let's talk about Crate and Barrel, right? Crate and Barrel, that was probably where we did the most work. And I called Crate and Barrel when I began the Sleeping Beauty. It was a brand that people have just big affinity toward in their minds. It was a place where if you ask somebody about Crate and Barrel, they'd say, oh, I registered there. Or, oh, I used to shop there with my mom. Or Everyone could pull up a positive memory, but not recency, right? There was no recency with the brand. So we came in as a team and pulled together and started writing a new vision. And we did reposition the Crate and Barrel brand to deliver a home with purpose. And the minute we ignited that vision, we were set forward into a new place. The Crate and Barrel brand actually is one of the few brands in the specialty retail market that actually serves the whole home, the kitchen, the bedroom, the kids, the living room, the sofas. It is an incredible brand full of value and beauty and great quality. So we just had to get those words up front and ignite all the good things about the Crate and Barrel brand and put it on its way. So it was a fun job. It was a hard job, but we really ignited a lot of new programs, whether it was wedding registry, interior design, trade business, clarifying our retail floors and improving our digital design services. Crate and Barrel went through a complete overhaul and really accelerated over the last year. Yeah, hard to do a reset of that kind when the environment around you is moving and you're not in person with all the folks you're doing that work with. Very difficult, but this team continues to show resiliency and flexibility every which way we worked, collaborating over Zoom, designing over Zoom. You know, we did have some small in-person meetings as the mandate started lifted and we can get people back in the building. And that was so fun. I mean, to have everyone come into a room that I'd only met via screen and for us to be standing in front of the product that we had been dreaming about and talking about and looking at sketches on sheets or doing late night Zooms with factories overseas to come into a room and see it come alive in front of us. There's just been nothing like it. Hmm. I know you, you have a long history and passion for retail. You started working in retail as a teenager, if I have that right. That's right. Did you spend much time going to stores? When could you start to do that? Well, it's been limited in the last year for sure, for obvious reasons. 
The stores were closed for the first six months that I was here. And as they started to open, I did start to visit them. No one loves a good store more than me. And no one is more critical of a bad store than me. (laughs) But when it's good retail, I can feel it the minute I walk. Probably within 10 feet of being in any good store, I can feel it right when I walk in. And so, yes, the stores, I cannot wait to get more involved in the stores. It's something I'm really looking forward to in 2022. But, you know, being closed and actually being able to walk quietly through a store while it was closed was an unbelievable moment to reimagine what the future could look like. It was as if they were frozen in time. How do we want to reinvent the store? How do we want the footsteps of the customer to go How can we make it easy? What do we do to bring the digital side into a store and then the personal side of retail onto a digital platform? And during the pandemic, we were afforded that time to really think through how do we become the best omni-channel retailer? This, you know, very difficult time has afforded us these moments to pause and to think and to innovate. What makes a good store and what makes a bad store? Like you say, you know right away when you walk in. Are there tips of things that you're like, oh, I know that works, that doesn't work? You know, I'm a big believer in intuition and I follow my own footsteps. And and if my footsteps get interrupted or if I can't figure something out, I know the customer can't figure it out. Signage is clear. Service is right there if you need it, but not if you don't, right? You don't want that overwhelming service. Nothing will ever substitute for good product. So you have to have your best product, the right product, whether that's local product into the store you're in or your best sellers looking beautiful. But for me, it all goes back to how the footsteps travel through the store. And I think we're in a cycle right now where people are surgically shopping. You know, the long journey meandering through the store might not be the cycle we're in right now, right? So make it easy on that customer It's really basic retail, but sometimes you lose those basics, right? And this has given us a moment to recenter and draw back into, let's do some destination shopping, right? Let's get this organized and drive with clarity through stores and keep it inspiring and centered on service. And in this pause that you had, the innovations that you were able to unpack or identify, are there any that you're particularly excited about? I mean, listen, I am excited about our entire future. We're going to bring in some new store models, not only for Crate and Barrel, but for CB2 as well. We're opening in new markets for CB2 as well as Hudson Grace. We have moved Crate and Kids. We've declared it a digital brand, and we're going to go after Crate and Kids in a very cool, inspirational, digital way. And we are a digitally led brand. And so the work that the teams are doing on experience on the sites, whether that's around conversion or content or marketing, has just been really game changed. I mean, you can't stop my excitement in front of any of this. I mean, we've seen this cycle where there have been digital only brands who suddenly realize they need more stores, right? And then you have traditional brick and mortar stores who are like, oh, I have to get more digital. So when you describe Crate and Barrel as a digitally led brand, what does that mean in the context of both of these? Because you have both parts of this. Yeah, that's right. We are an omni-channel company, but we're leading with digital insights. That's why we start digitally led. It has to be easy for them when they begin on that. 
And I think, like I said earlier, the stores have to serve as an inspiration moment and an experience moment. But also, we believe that we can bring some of that digital into the store. QR codes have reinvented themselves, really, during the pandemic, whether it's on a menu in a restaurant or even getting your vaccine, whatever it may be, right? Because QR codes, how does that play in our future? We actually launched digital catalogs during the pandemic that we saw a huge change with our customer behavior on. So there are ways that the digital experience will bring itself into what was still before, whether that's a catalog or a store. And we believe that the more we lean into and invest into this digital future, the stronger every channel will become. Mm. And are there new kinds of data sources that you turn to for this? We are constantly listening to our customer on the trends. For instance, we saw a few months ago that everybody was pinning colored glassware. So we quickly gathered together that insight from Pinterest and the team pivoted quickly. And we had colored glassware in our assortment. So we pulled together, just quite frankly, an email on colored glassware and put it out there. Next day, the colored glassware went through the roof. So it's you can grab your data from all different places. We've got to just keep listening to what's important to the customer, what they're interested in. But that's real-time data. That's how we're using real-time data. We'll be back in a moment after a word from our premier brand partner, Capital One Business. There was panic that set in that night because I didn't want to let people down. We're back with Aparna Saran of Capital One Business. She was recalling the time she woke up in a cold sweat, terrified that the new product she had been working on might fail. So the next morning, she sat down and wrote an email. It was Sunday morning, and I said, you know what? I'm going to just like share this with my peers. It was very emotional. It was like sort of a cry for help. Aparna realized that if the new product didn't take off, she needed a plan B, preferably multiple plan Bs. I'm inviting them to be the thought partners so that we are mitigating as much risk as possible and we have contingency plans in place as we make this move. You write something like this and your heart is pounding, should I send this? It was a super vulnerable moment for me. But then I was like, I'm going to just send this. Like, what's the worst that will happen? It can't be worse than being on the front page of the <laughs> newspaper. So she held her breath and hit send. What happened next would surprise even her. We'll hear about that later in the show. It's all part of Capital One Business's Spotlight on Business Leaders, following Reed's Refocus Playbook. Before the break, we heard Crate and Barrel holding CEO Janet Hayes talk about supply chain challenges, what it was like to take over as a CEO during the pandemic, and the steps she's taken to reignite the company's brands. Now she delves into the lessons she's learned in managing workplace challenges and why she feels talent disruptions underway now rival supply chain disruptions. She also emphasizes the importance of flexibility and of celebration in leading teams. Retail is hard, she says, but if you have passion for your work, any work, the rewards are meaningful. So one of the challenges of the pandemic era has been the workplace environments. You said earlier that you're not a good at-home worker <laughs> yourself, that you like to get into the office, you get distracted. There are a lot of new ways of working for those in offices. There are new strains and requirements for those in retail stores. So how do you think about those two realms, your office-based workforce, your store-based workforce, and how you manage each of them? 
Our main focus throughout the pandemic was to keep our employees and our customers safe. And with that in mind, we've guided through a lot of the CDC recommendations and communication and transparency have been key. But you're right. There's a different workforce inside a retail company. And again, listening to what they needed, showing empathy, but most important, showing flexibility to what they needed was how we navigated successfully through coming out a new workplace, right? I mean, we've declared ourselves a flexible workplace with a modern view. You know, as far as the HQ environment, for me, it was really listening and watching the leaders under me and each function and brand and team really almost organically started creating their own new work environments. For instance, the digital team was happy being remote. The brand teams knew they needed to be together at least three days a week, right? Because that pulling together on collaboration. Marketing team said that they could work three days a week. As soon as I said, it's a flexible workplace and I'm going to value talent and collaboration and results over location, and I trust you to make the right decisions, everybody made the right decision. And they are working faster and smarter than they have ever worked in the past. How do you calibrate how much pressure, I guess, or what the demands are for your workforce relative to the emotional strain that we're all operating under also? Well, I think you start right there. And I have to realize there's a big emotional strain that people are working under. This is massive disruption. I would say we're having as much people disruption and labor disruption as we are supply chain disruption. We're going to step back and see this was as big as the supply chain. And we are all going through tremendous change. So again, I have empathy and excitement at the same time. There is no question in my mind that my team, this company is working hard. So if we start there with the trust, we're all going to start in a much better place, right? And the results are showing it. We have record customers, we have record growth, and we have record change. So if anything, I'm worried they're not celebrating enough with each other. I'm worried they're not giving each other enough recognition for what we're going through. I try and start every meeting with a thank you. And I hope you guys are celebrating and realize that this is a time that is amazing. And I want them to stay present in this time. They're changing the company. That is a big responsibility. That takes an emotional toll. Plus, they're trying to take care of their own families. So I believe you have to start with trust and the results will come with it. We've heard a lot about this great resignation. Have you seen that in your business? Yes, I have seen some of it. I would not be honest if I didn't say yes, I have seen some of it and I embrace it. Honestly, I've had a, you know, talk with a few people that have left Crate and Barrel Holdings and said, why are you leaving? And they said, my dream job appeared. And my answer is go get it. Truly, I want people to be happy in what they're doing. Retail is hard. You have to be all in on retail. Retail will kill you if you don't love it. I wake up every day excited about what we do. And it's hard. It takes a lot out of you. So you have to have the passion in here. You have to have the passion for what you do. And ultimately, I want happy employees. Mm. You talk about the record growth. There are businesses that kind of boomed early in the pandemic. And then as things I don't want to say normalized, but as we got used to the conditions we were in, that things slid back a little bit. It doesn't sound like that's happening in your business. How do you gauge what that trajectory will look like 
as demand fluctuates and our experiences fluctuate? Yeah, it's a question we ask ourselves every week. And I will tell you that I feel confident that there are trends, right? And we're standing in front of a big tailwind right now in the home business, whether that's the actual buying and selling of homes that creates demand for us. People moving creates demand for us. We see people spending more time at home. All of those are tailwinds for us. And yes, they most likely will slow for some retailers out there. But over the last 16 months, the strategies that we have put into place behind our supply chain, behind our digital, the investment we're making will keep us moving forward past these trends. We're bringing more products to market. We're going to be entering categories we've never entered before. We're going to embrace what we see as trends like weddings. We know we're on an uptick because the weddings were held back for a year, but also that's Crate and Barrel's moment. That is a part of the history that got a refresh and will feel new and fresh going forward. I believe the strategies we put into place will take us past this moment into future growth. I'm curious what sustainability looks like for Crate and Barrel, how you think about it, and what the role is in the strategy and the home for purpose. Yeah. I mean, sustainability has always been a personal passion for me. And I don't even think I realized how much California had rubbed off on me growing up in California, being raised in California. So I now realize it is a personal passion for me. And I want to make sure I'm doing my part to make the world a better place for the next generation. And as a company, we're in the midst of evaluating and increasing our commitment to sustainable solutions in the planet. We've designated a task force spanning all departments, but we're not waiting. In the last 16 months, we've looked at product with more sustainable eyes, whether that's FSC Wood, Organic Cotton, Okatex, Green Guard Certified. We've taken a look at how we're building our buildings. We just built a new distribution center here in Illinois, Romeoville, which just won a three Green Globe Award based on sustainable practices. We have to approach the entire supply chain all the way through the culture, everybody believing in our power to change what we are doing to the planet. There was a time where sort of customers would say, oh, sustainability is important to me. But when it came to actually buying product, they would buy whatever they liked. And it wasn't necessarily highly ranked in their choices. Is that something that you see adjusting at all, that people are making it more of a priority in terms of what they purchase? I do. I do see that as a priority, and I'm thrilled about it. People are attracted to companies with purpose. One of the things we can do is continue to focus on quality and make sure our products don't end up quickly in in landfill. And these are choices that are important to our customer. They're becoming a mandate, actually, to our customer. So if I can ask you to look back on the 16 months you've been at the helm there at Crate and Barrel Holdings, are there lessons that you take away from the experience so far? There have been some incredible lessons. Be a flexible company. It's new. And it continues to challenge us to think like a modern company. What we've gone through in the last 16 months has driven for clarity around our commitment to each other and the customer. It is something that we all probably know as humans, honestly. It's to make the right choices, do the right thing for people. We've learned over the last year, retail's a team sport. 
It's a team sport. And to open the view up to include more people into the team, whether that's your vendors or people in the supply chain, and to give them grace during this time, that will come around. The customer will be the beneficiary to how we treat each other. And for you personally, as a leader, are you a leader the same way now as you were when you came in 16 months ago? Great question. No, I'm not. I am humbled by what I've seen. You know, I came in thinking, oh, that's good. They don't have to teach me what a sofa is or what quality means in furniture. But what I was able to witness and be a part of has been humbling. The innovation, the teamwork, the flexibility, the trust. It's been an incredible lesson to learn as a new CEO. Mm. So what's at stake for Crate and Barrel right now? Customer. The customer is at stake. The customer is going to have a lot of choices in the future, whether that's digital brands that emerge or, you know, whatever brand is in stock first and fastest. That's who's at stake, the customer. And we need to continue to focus on them and provide the best, most inspirational experience. It's the customer and the planet, right? And we have to keep our focus on on our commitment to both of those things. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you. And now, a final word from our brand partner, Capital One Business. Throughout the day, text messages and emails kept pouring in. Whatever you need, just let us know. We're back one more time with Aparna Saran of Capital One Business. She was telling us about a Sunday morning email she fired off in a moment of panic. Minutes later, her inbox was overflowing. And the support she found wasn't just emotional, it was practical. We talked about detailed contingency plans and we created our go-to-market strategy. Before we are in full rollout mode, we had stage gates so that we could test and quickly learn and iterate. And within a matter of like six months, as we were rolling things out channel by channel, those stage gates would allow us to pivot if we saw something that we didn't like. That day, Aparna learned a lesson that stayed with her. Having multiple plan Bs doesn't just expand your options. It gives you new opportunities. The best way to pivot is actually open doors for thoughtful conversations because humility in knowing that you actually don't know everything as well as the empathy in knowing that disruption is always drastic and abrupt helps you go through that pivot with other people in a very different way. Capital One Business is proud to support entrepreneurs and leaders working to scale their impact from Fortune 500s to first-time business owners. For more resources to help drive your business forward, visit CapitalOne.com slash Business Hub. That's CapitalOne.com slash Business Hub. Masters of Scale Rapid Response is a Wait What original. The show is recorded remotely using sanitized audio gear. I'm your Rapid Response host, Bob Safian. Host for Masters of Scale is Reed Hoffman. Our executive producers are June Cohen and Darren Triff. Our supervising producer is Jay Punjabi. Our producers are Jordan McLeod, Christina Gonzalez, and Marie McCoy-Thompson. Our music director is Ryan Holiday. Original music and sound design by Daniel Nissenbaum and the Holiday Brothers. Audio editing by Keith J. Nelson, Stephen Davies, Andrew Nault, and Mike Gallagher. Mixing and mastering by Aaron Bastinelli. 
Special thanks to Emily McManus, Sarah Sandman, Kelsey Capitano, Tim Cronin, Charlie Manessis, Adam Heiner, Anna Pizzino, Ben Richardson, Mina Kurosawa, Saida Sapieva, and Colin Howard. Become a member of Masters of Scale to get access to a year's worth of courses and content on the Masters of Scale courses app. Find out more at mastersofscale.com membership. Visit mastersofscale.com slash rapid response to find the transcript for this episode and be sure to subscribe to our email newsletter.